Peace world, peace world. What up, world? This is your man, Aunt Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it's another episode of Keeping the Towel. Hopefully, everybody's going good. It's going right and it's going cool out there. Ladies and gentlemen, on this day, yes, world, we are at it once again. And as we are here, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you are still in the ring with me. And as you know, I'm definitely keeping my towel. And this is going to be a little different, people, as today... I'm going to be starting a whole different series, and this is called Why I Kept My Towel Series. I'm going to be talking to some incredible people and just speaking about, from their perspective, what they've went through and everything, and how come they're still keeping their towel or if they've thrown in their towel. So we're going to get a chance to vibe with them and everything. And so we're going to go ahead and commence this at this moment and time. But ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is Keeping the Towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And... With me in this moment and time, I got a dude who I've known for a couple years, and this brother is incredible, and I'm so blessed to actually have him here with me, man. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Jonathan Warner. Mr. Warner. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. How you doing, brother? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I am doing well. Man, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Hell of an intro, bro. Hell of an intro. Yes, sir. But man, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you straight up, man. This brother, he's a trainer. I call him the philosophical trainer <laughs> <laughs> because I love when I can hear him give his clients some incredible words. And even when I'm doing my own workout, he'll just pop in and just say something encouraging to me. And there's been many, many times you and I have gotten a chance to just spit from working out. We just get a chance to talk and chop it up many times. And brother, man, it's always a blessing to hear you and everything. Appreciate that. And uh, it's a blessing to be here. And I'm I'm actually going to steal that, the philosophical trainer. Uh, I'm going to figure out how to work that in. (laughs) But I just consider that stolen, brother. (laughs) So I'm I'm telling y'all, man, he'll tell you go and do some pushing. He says, so if you push up, you're pushing out something (laughs) so that it come back into you. So, yeah. I've never said that once in my life. But, uh, you know, somewhere around there. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, but um, I'm getting a chance to vibe with this brother. And what I would love for you to get a chance to hear from his perspective, from what he's gone through and why he's still out here, still keeping his towel. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Warner, let's get into it and so forth. Just tell the people about yourself. Okay, cool. Uh, So where do you want me to begin? Do you want me to start like? first day out oh, uh, you know where do you want me to go to we could we could start from where it all began okay i'll give a little brief introduction uh-huh. um as you said uh my name is jonathan warner uh born and raised in miami florida lived there uh majority of my well all of my childhood majority of my life uh from birth to 18 then i moved to orlando to go to school I uh, lived in Orlando for nine years, um, and that's where I transitioned over to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and that's when I kind of started, in that transition is when I kind of started my fitness career. Um, I started off the fitness career from a perspective of literally I just wanted to work out. Um, I'm a naturally slim dude, and, like, for me it was just like, yo, girls like muscles, so <laughs> let me go let me go get some muscles. Um, and I think in, like, the college days I kind of just became, like, the fitness dude around my peers. So, man, it started with people just coming to the gym with me, friends, and then, like, hey, can you train me? Like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing. So, like, you can come with me. If if what works for me works for you, cool. You know, I think I was training people, and it's crazy. I don't remember this number, but, like, I don't know if it was $5 a week 
or five dollars a session. Either one was something ridiculous. But um, it was just like, yo, I can't really charge you for something that I don't really know what I'm doing. But uh, you know, I am spending quite a bit of time. So let me get this. Uh, let me get this Papa John's money. So um, <laughs> either way, um, that was just kind of something that I was just doing. Like I said, it was. I just. I was a fitness enthusiast at the time. Um, we're about to go for a little dip, and then we're gonna bring the story right back up. Uh, it's, it's don't go into the super sad part about it, but um, the this is kind of the moral of the story that got me into a serious side of training. Um, a good friend of mine, I was twenty seven, and he was thirty two. He passed from a heart attack, and and that's what I said. We, you know, uh, we're not gonna go too much into the dip of it. That was just necessary for the story. Um, but that was an eye-opening experience. So him and my brother, um, they're both five years older than me. Them, him and my brother are born like, I think it's like six days apart. So to me, it was just like, whoa, kids can die. Like from like, you know, not getting shot from like something that like old people die from in my head at that time. So that really made me open up my eyes for the importance of health as well as the importance of health and health education in the black community. So it was like super, super important. And that's kind of when I took a, a, a shift because I was working, I was doing two things. I was DJing and working in IT. Uh, IT was something that kind of just came easy to me. So I did it. Um, DJing is what I did. Um, and from there, I kind of slowly started to transition my life out of the club getting myself healthy and then trying to get more people healthy. So when I moved to Atlanta in 2012, um, I was still in the IT world uh, working some contracts. Um, but slowly but surely, I started to transition full time into health and wellness space. And so that's kind of my small, you know, birth to here journey, uh, I guess, kind of encompassing Location, school, and profession. Um, and right now in 2021, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I train um, athletes. I train the general population, uh, kids to the elderly. Yeah. Well, that's what's up, man. So there it is. My man started out in the 305. Yes, sir. And then here he is. And, well, you're going to be able to hear about what is where you'll be able to catch him out and everything later on. So, Mr. Wonder, let's go ahead and get into this for – why I kept my towel. There was one time you were on Instagram mm -hmm. and you spoke about that you had battle, mm -hmm. semi-depression, some depression and so yeah. forth. And man, it was an incredible story mm -hmm. that for me yeah. to listen to you as a black man mm -hmm. just come out with that and speak about that. Because as we know, in the black community, mm -hmm. that is something like, no, Not no, so nobody yeah. says that. <laughs> yeah, so, chill, <laughs> right. You know, like, just pray about it. Yeah, That's exactly. basically what it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when you came out with that, I was just like, wow. So put us on where that came from. So for me, um, the need to express myself, a couple reasons. I <clears throat> going through a journey and you were talking about depression. Um, I guess I was diagnosed and I say, I guess, um, the way they diagnose things is kind of weird. It's like they ask you a series of questions that I kind of feel like it's like they'll bubble in a couple boxes, do a little math problem. It's like, boom, you have this. So it's kind of weird. Um, and it just kind of also depends on how you answer the question or how, how articulate you are or not. 
is what diagnosis you're going to get. I say all that to say I was diagnosed with uh, major depression disorder. Um, um, I don't really, and to me, I don't kind of, I don't spend too much into the names unless there needs to be some major medicine involved. If there needs to be some major medicine involved, you might want to get a, a hold of what names of things you have um, so you can get a hold of that. We'll talk about that uh, later on. Um, but for me, um, I was in a scenario where I didn't feel like I had any help or hope. Um, and when I say help, I had friends and I had family that would help Jonathan but not Jonathan on an emotional level because what I was going through in my living experience was two different things and two different realities for me and the people around me. So my need to get this information out and be vulnerable was two parts. One, I felt, okay, cool. If I can, I know there's somebody experiencing the exact same thing that I am and I want to reach that, you know, I want to extend that uh, branch out to say, yo, you're not the only one going through this. But also, I felt like I had enough influence within my social circle, be it in real life or online, I guess they're obviously the same place, um, or same thing, to be that person where it's like, oh, well, if he's talking about it, it must be something that I should look at. You know, you know, maybe my brother was talking about that or my little cousin or my son. Maybe I should take it a little bit more serious now. Um, and unfortunately, that has, you know, unfortunately, that's a reality, but regardless of how unfortunate it is, I figured I'd be able to help other people and essentially help myself because it's um, it's therapeutic to express. Um, this this podcast, I know, will be therapeutic. Um, I know we're going to go through ups and downs. I'm going to be in places where it's like, man, I didn't really want to think about that today. But it's still on the other side out. Once we once I'm done with it, it's going to be just like a therapy session. It's not all roses. It's, you know, it's ups and downs. So uh, for me, it was a it was a three part. Um, I think I started with a two part, but it's a three part uh, adding the therapeutic part. It's just journaling. You know, it's, it's getting it out. Probably some of the same reason you uh, you you're a journalist, you know, um, to, to take out what's up here in the brain and put it out in whatever medium you use, be it, you know, video, audio or written work. So for you, let's dive into this rabbit hole a little. And where at that point did you started noticing something was wrong with Jonathan? I think it happened at two parts in my life. First part happened when I was in school. So I'd say elementary through high school. That was not a fun experience on the schooling side of it uh, or the education side of it. I had fun at school. I loved, you know, playing. I loved, like, seeing my friends. I loved everything about school except being a student, which is, like, ridiculous, I know, but, like, it's just my truth. Um, so, and I'm, and I'm similar to that in most things. I try to find something good out of, out of any situation. And for me, I didn't like school because I wasn't good at it, but I didn't really know why. So I believe I'm dyslexic, um, and I never really learned how to read or write well. I learned how to memorize a lot of words. I learned, so I, I, I kind of had to hack the system, but for me, that produced really poor grades 
and a really uncomfortable experience because I didn't know what was going on. So I just thought I was stupid. So and like at that time, it's not like 2021 where we got all these cool programs. And, you know, if you're going through this, you can go to that. Um, it was just kind of, yo, figure it out. Uh, so for me, it was super difficult and super like defeating going to school every single day, knowing, hey, man, the best I'm going to do is maybe pass. I'm never going to be, and as a kid, that's kind of your paycheck, you know, that's your, or not even your paycheck, that's what you produce, that's, uh, you know, your grades is is your work, so for me, it was just like, yo, I'm not really a good kid, which kind of internalized into, I'm not a good person, or not a good or bad, but lower value, that's when it started, but i feel like, and this could be either the truth, or me making stuff up, and when I say that is, it's kind of hard to remember exactly how you felt, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But I know I just kind of kept moving and like started just throwing things under the rug. And that became a habit. So just like go to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. So you was just getting promoted. Yeah, getting getting promoted, getting promoted. Social promotion. Yeah, mm -hmm. social promotion. So a couple things, man. When you go to school, especially when you go to school in Miami, uh, when you go to a especially starting at a uh, majority white elementary school, you learn this skill set at an early age. Be a cute, presentable black kid. <laughs> They'll pass you. Wow, really? Like, nobody wants to, like, it's and in, in, in maybe it's, like, white guilt. I don't know. Nobody wants to be the person responsible for fucking up the black kid's life. And, I, and, I, and I'm making all this up, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like that's true. And it was like, I don't want to bother it. I'm not going to really give him the help he needs, but I'm also not going to pull him back. So keep passing him, you know, and not necessarily passing from grade to grade, but like, yo, I shouldn't have got that grade on that paper. I shouldn't have got that, which, you know, and I also learned how to like hack the system. I learned like, okay, cool. All right. I'm not going to get a good grade on this test, this test, this test. I learned about averages very early. But if I do all of these projects, do all of this bonus work, do all of this homework, I can get a low to high C. And that's all I need to pass. So I learned how to essentially hack the system. My mom was a teacher. I was telling this story the other day. She was a teacher at the elementary school I went to. So on Thursdays, they had, um, what's it called? Faculty meetings. So all the teachers are going to be in one place. So all the teachers in one place means all their doors are open and unintended. Run up in there, take the teacher's edition. I would take those home with me and I would have all the answers. So it's like, again, it was no different than a young man growing up in poverty trying to figure out how to bring food to his mama's table. You're going to figure out a way. I wouldn't suggest that way. I wouldn't tell my kids to do it, but the human mind is very adaptable. So, um, you know, that was kind of that journey. And then for, and I know, like, I, I know I didn't feel good about it. I can't necessarily say how I felt about that whole experience. And then I kind of compartmentalized that. And then I moved, I got older. And it was like a, something that was chasing me. To where it was just like I kept running away from like, man, all of these things and these steps that I've skipped in life, the result of it is creeping up on my ankles. 
And I can feel it. And I know like, yo, this is going to affect me personally. This is going to affect me professionally. This is going to affect me with everything in life. But yo, just keep running. Just keep running. You'll figure out a plan eventually. Just keep running. And then I remember probably around 2015, 2016, I kind of started to feel this overwhelming feeling of sadness that I didn't know where it was coming from. And I believe that was that monster that I was running from. And I think what happened was I was wise enough or conscious enough, whatever you want to call it, to realize what was actually happening and how I felt about myself. And that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> like That's when it was just like, okay, we're about to go to Spiral City. Put your seatbelts on. We are going for a ride. And that's probably when I started going through my lowest moments. So I know I spent like a long time answering that question. So, so you said that that's where things start to spiral. Now, before we go into that part, this is going to get deep, but did mom, seeing that mom was a teacher? Yeah, great question. Did she great notice question. that there was something there like, holy crap, my son is, because I'm sure like, you know, yeah. teachers would say, hey, look, your son is coming in with these bad grades or yeah, he's doing okay. Mm -hmm. So what was mom's response so, to those things? Me and mom had this conversation at a later age. So Mom did what mom knew how to do, and that's a two-sided answer. So she reached out and got help or, like, tried to get some resources from different teachers or different, uh, you know, maybe, like, special ed teachers and things of that nature. And the best thing my mom could do, even if I didn't know it at the time and even if it took me years to understand, was listen to the special ed teacher and told her not to put me in that class um because so wait you was they were threatening to put you in special ed um i don't really know okay. i don't think i was i, I don't, don't even want to say i don't think i wasn't privy to that information okay. this is kind of like conversations that i've had with my mom after the fact so based off i can assume that was the direction but i don't know who the whom is i don't know if it was my particular teacher if it was the school i don't really know but the teacher told my mom whatever you do, do not let him go to that class because that's where kids go to rot. And especially young black kids. And it also becomes a label, an internal label and an external label. Absolutely. Um, so I'm so fortunate she didn't do that. With that, you know, they, I remember they getting me to hooked on phonics, a big old briefcase full of cassettes uh send me to tutoring and this and that but it was concepts that i didn't understand so i'm repeating concepts over and over and over again that i don't understand so it's not helping me um it's you know i'm essentially getting yelled at by these damn hooked on phonics cassette tapes i don't know what's like i don't really i don't know what i don't understand but there's something that that's that's not a connection so they're doing everything that they could and for me it took a while to understand that because there was some resentment there was some yo why didn't you help me but I don't know what it's like to be a parent at that age figuring you know it's out there's no rule book to this they didn't have this experience with their first child so it's just like yo I don't know I'm doing everything that I know to do and they did a lot you know they spent a lot of money in those 
tapes, those uh, the different learning centers or whatever. The case. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, time, all that yes, stuff. Yes. Um, so for me, uh, it's just a it's a scenario where I think they did everything they could, and I think also, and this is something that I just think I have no idea, but it just makes sense. I think there is also a level of guilt and fear from being an educator that's just like, yo, I can't help my son. And that kind of makes you step back like, I don't know what to do. Let me just try to put these things out there and hope for the best. Um, and I think that's a big problem that we do with in our community is we hope for the best too much as opposed to making a plan and, and seeing it through. Um, but I say all that with like, the best of understanding because it's just one of those situations, unfortunately, where it's like it was what it was and ultimately navigated me to the journey to where we are right now. Right. Now, let's go into the rabbit hole. Yes, sir. So now here it is that you've been um, looked at the and man. Wow. That <laughs> everything you're saying right there, I can relate to. So now here it is. We get out of elementary school moving into junior high and going into high school so mm -hmm. now what was the rabbit hole describe it so the rabbit hole wasn't into like i'm grown at this point because again i figured out a way probably in middle school to just kind of compartmentalize everything high school was relatively easy for me and i think high school was relatively easy because of the school I went to, which was like a good thing and a bad thing. I think it, I don't know how it would have been if they would have tested me more, but I went to a brand new magnet school that like, man, it was just, it was like a field. It was like a field day every day. It was like college freedom without college work. So it was just like a lot of projects. Like you just didn't really have to necessarily be smart. You had to work. You just had to do your work. And I was always good at doing my work. I wasn't good at retaining information for tests. Um, so with the exception of like math, math, it was just like, yo, bring it on. I got this. I'm good with this. This this will work for me. So it was really the rabbit hole began, like I said, probably around 2014, 2015. Maybe before that, I would say I remember probably from maybe like five years from like 2000 five to like excuse me 10 years from like 2005 to 2010 like I was telling you that feeling of like yo the monsters is getting closer and getting closer and getting closer and, and when I say the monster whatever it was that whatever skip steps I skipped to get to that point I had this fear of impending doom that that was going to come back and get me um whether like I said whether it's professionally personally I knew internally i didn't develop skill sets and things that i needed to to be the functioning adult that i needed to be so that to me was like a scary thing but i also wasn't doing anything about it so i laugh because like as this person it sounds really ridiculous it's like but it's like yo i'll get to that i'll get to that i'll get to that i'll get to that and then, like I said, it was just like, it started to weigh into me and I got this overwhelming feeling of despair. And that happened probably around 2014, 2015. And that's when the dark place came. That's when uh, I would say I personally recognize I'm not in a good place. Um, you know, it started with 
me removing myself from like going out, um, me not performing the way I needed to at work, both with clients and retaining clients. So it was like this revolving door of not growing your business, not having enough to sustain your business, not having enough to sustain like a social life and any type of level of, I guess, outside of the house enjoyment. And I just started to become this person that would stay in the apartment, stay in the apartment, stay in the apartment, not really uh, hang out with friends, just go to work, immediately come back home, chill. Um, And when I say chill, it was just like whatever was the thing of the day coupled with substance abuse. And that's where the party really gets started. Um, so wait, so with your with clients and everything, were you standoffish towards them? Were you not personal with them? It was just like, hey, just do this and go? I don't think so because that's not my – and I won't even say I don't think so. No, because that's not my personality. Um, I wasn't giving them the best service from a professional standpoint, whether it's me being late to sessions, whether it's me – you know, rescheduling, maybe, you know, whatever it was, it was never like my one-on-one personality. And that's a big issue in terms of why I don't think I got the help that I wanted or needed because I don't appear as someone who needs help. I always have the same, everyone has the same experience with Jonathan. Jonathan doesn't have the same experience with everyone. So it was definitely not a, you know, a attitude thing or whatever. It was just literally Yo, your professionalism, you know, is not there. You're following up with new clients isn't there. You're just kind of in a place of a funk. You're getting up and doing what you know you have to do at a bare minimum. And as soon as you're done, you're going back into your cave. You know, as soon as you, you're you're rolling up blunts before a session so you can just get right back and get high. Um, Like, I don't even want to waste the time rolling up when I get back. I want to be already ready to go. All I need to do is kick back and and, 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 and light up. It was, like I said, just a, a real dark place of like, yo, I don't know what's going on. And at that point, I didn't know how to even ask for help. Was it due to pride? I don't even know if it was due to pride. It was just like, I don't even know what's going on, so I don't know what to ask for. For me, I, I've never been a prideful person when it comes to asking for help or just asking in general. Uh, my dad taught me this at a very young age and uh, he still speaks about it. It's just like, yo, the most that somebody can do is say no. Um, and I'm very good with that philosophy. Uh, for me, it was just like, I don't know what's going on. I, this is weird to me. So I know it's going to be weird to you. I can't even explain it. Um, something's happening. I don't, hey, I don't feel well. What the hell does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel good in my brain. Like, that's a really weird thing to say when you can't even articulate how you feel to yourself. So uh, that was a, a real difficulty for me reaching out. So I sat and I sat for a long time. I sat for a long time in a real dark place, a lonely place. But the place was filled with, like I said, uh, substance and... Entertainment. When I say entertainment, could be the video game, uh, YouTube video, rabbit holes, uh, movies, anything to get me from that point to the next day. Start the next day. All right, how can we get from the beginning of the day to the end of the day and just rinse and repeat? Um, so, yeah. I think that's 
that is another one that we don't really think about is the YouTube rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. We never look at that. And I've been there and I recently had to kick that because it's like you're watching one and you're watching another. It's a myriad of things. One minute is something serious and it's something comical. Mm-hmm. Then it's something violent. And then it's like, wait, what am I watching? What am I watching? Right. And what I, to your point of that, even when it's something educational or valuable to you or your career you can overconsume. you right. know you can right. look up something on this interface and watch 150 videos and at what point are you going to say yo aunt maybe i should get up and go figure it out how many lessons do you need to learn right. how many motivational speeches do you need to hear so you know either way it's an addiction and one thing that we don't talk about just in general is what things we can be addicted to because we talk you know when you think addiction we think alcohol we think crack we think heroin we think whatever the case may be we don't think youtube we don't think porn we don't think you know um binge watching netflix or whatever the case may be so um i think it's just a super dangerous slope of overconsumption on anything as you went into substances and mm-hmm. you did YouTube and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And again, we use a lot of coping mechanisms. Some yeah. people use sex and mm-hmm. they can use a lot of sex just yeah. to go ahead to get through whatever. And the fact as you went through all this, where at that point that it finally rung to you or what was it that brought you to that place? Where it was like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. <sighs> And it's interesting because I wish these stories were like short and quick, but they're unfortunately. Oh, this is about you, homeboy. No, no, no. I get that, but I'm I, I'm saying like I wish they were because like even from the end consumer who will be ultimately listening to this, it's like you know, unfortunately, there's like not one quick answer. There's a long span of these things. That's what I tell people often. It's like that woman who wrote a book after she was an abuse victim for 20 years and, you know, she got out and she became the CEO, whatever the case may be, you know, those were a long 20 years. You know what I mean? A really, really long 20 years, Um, especially if you're talking about somebody who's only 45 or 50 years old. So I say all that to say, for me, we went from, we went from that feeling in 2015 of just like despair sitting in the place sitting in the place the first wake up call was eviction whoa yeah that was the first wake up call um not in 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 and I'll say the first wake up call I don't know I think that's just more of a buzzword that sounds good that really wasn't the first wake up call that was the first that was the first explainable scenario to other human beings that it's like, hey, I'm going through something and this is something you can see. This happened as opposed to I just feel this way. That scenario took me to moving back to my parents' house. Well, not back to my parents' house, moving to my parents' house. I didn't. I never lived there. I mean, obviously I lived there growing up, but uh, that was a whole other house. That was a whole other state. That was a whole other lifetime. Uh, so it wasn't moving back. It was moving to their house. Um, that was a little bit better of a scenario for my mental health because I didn't have the financial stressors, but I also put myself in 
the same environment that young Jonathan was in. And I think the quote is, you can't heal in the environment that like, you can't heal in the environment where like the, the trauma took place. Um, and for me, this experience was a mirror of every experience that I went through as a child. Not necessarily were these things happening because not like my parents were doing anything to me, but this is the same environment, the same relationship, the same type of family structure. Um, so from there, I was living there, trying to work. Work was really, really difficult. Um, the energy, the everything, just to do any aspect of work was extremely difficult. Um, in and out of different gyms, just trying to kind of figure out things, get my footing. Uh, from there... Um, and we're about to go full speed in this car. I uh, want to say full speed. We're just going to go to the deep dive. Uh, from there, it was more substance abuse, more um, just trying to figure it out, more in the hole in terms of, you know, try to go to work, come back, right back into the room, maybe spend three, four days in the room straight. Um, Your parents not even... And that was probably the the hardest thing. It's just like, yo, you you see me on a regular basis, but it's almost like my experience are like compartmentalized. Jonathan, when he's fine, is okay. And then there's this Jonathan who's just like, yo, I guess he's going through something and we'll just kind of figure it out. Um, and it's a very interesting scenario that I'll talk about life on the other side of that because it's just like wow you really were living in two different worlds and, and and we'll go to that once i once i catch us up to current time but um yeah so feeling that level of despair um got to just my lowest point and in 20 it was september of 2018 is when i was the the scientific or, or uh, legal name would be 1013. And 1013 is an attempt to harm yourself or others. Um, so I didn't necessarily know what I was going to do or exactly how I was going to do um, because I, I think about others a lot. I think about the experiences of others. I think about my friends, my family, my mom, my dad, whomever finds me, that whole process. Um, but I know I went to a lake near my parents' house. I had my gun, and I was ready to go. Um, I was at a place where I just couldn't take life anymore. Um, my mom called the police and the police came and picked me up and that's when the process started of me essentially going um well you, you go to the hospital that 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 day which is this is a terrible experience and we have to figure something better out for people in distress you essentially get locked down to a bed you are questioned by a cop you are then questioned by a social worker then you're sent in a room with like no windows and nothing in the room except a bed for 24 hours before being sent to an inpatient place which I call like safe jail um you're bunking with three people you have lunch at a specific time you go to different out breakout groups where you like 
um, color and do random shit like that. Um, you watch movies majority of the day and you listen to people talk about their, and this is what I call real drugs, anything that's not weed, like their, their real drug addictions. And you're like, whoa, if I was more, if I wasn't balancing the things I will do and won't do, I'm learning a lot more bad in here than good. So I was there for about think four days, kind of like an evaluation, make sure you're not going to hurt yourself type of thing. You you go outside, but it's like a caged-in patio type of situation, um, and you're just kind of there. Um, so that experience from there, I kind of, when I was there, it was a, well, that didn't work. Um, so to the, to, the, to the title of the show, I tried to throw it myself. Um, and while I was there, it was just like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> that didn't work. So I guess, uh, somebody or something has another plan for me. Um, and from there, I kind of started this journey of like, okay, well, once we get back home, we're going to get our life back together. It's going to be a Rocky type, you know, monologue scene, uh, or montage, excuse me. And we're just gonna, everything's going to work out. And that's why I said it's not as simple as it is because it's like, no, that didn't happen. Um, you get 1% better, 10% better, you know, and there starts another journey. We've gone to this place. We've seen a, a uh, social worker. Then from the social worker, we're now going to like an outpatient therapist. They prescribe you some drugs. You, you try that process. For me, that was not enjoyable at all. I felt like a zombie. It was a terrible experience. So I got off of those, um, went back to my drug of choice, uh, marijuana. Um, I started smoking probably more, but less, if that makes sense. I started smoking more so for medicinal purposes. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I don't smoke that much now, um, but... I like to get high um, at that time. So it was a scenario where it was like, okay, cool. We got to figure out how to make this useful because what I am noticing, and this is not me giving anybody a recommendation, what I was noticing was I'm able to process what's actually happening to me better. So what I need to do is, and again, this is just me trying to hack life, smoke less quantity. Uh, at in each individual time, so that started to happen, and that kind of led me into uh, adaptogenic herbs. So like ashwagandha, holy basil, rhodiola, um, and these herbs help you. They're natural herbs that you know occur in nature. You can get them from vitamin shop or you know wherever you get your 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 supplements from. And what these do is they don't change what's happening in your life, obviously. If you look in your bank account, there's no money in there. There's still no money in there. It helps you. It helps with your stress receptors and allowing you to process these things better. And so for me, that was kind of the start of a new beginning, um, a start of a new chapter in my life to where it's like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to manage these things. I'm going to kind of get these things under control um and in that process you know starting to get things better starting to get things better i moved out
moved out, got an apartment. Um, things are getting better, but like I said, 1%, 2%, 10%, so on and so forth. And guess what happens? Fell back. Got evicted again. And this is probably an interesting story that you're going to be like, dog, what? I was homeless for like six months living in my car. Get out of here. You knew me. Yeah. What? Yeah. I would literally leave the gym when I was done training, wait for everybody to leave, and come back and park right in the front. I would take a shower right before I left the gym, leave the gym, and come back. You, and so you wouldn't have ever noticed because you came at a time to where the only people would have possibly have noticed is if I was still sleeping when the first person got to the gym or if you just happened to like come back to the gym for something, I don't know, which, I mean, it's a lot, so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, I built this strategy. I mean, the gym has a shower. There's Wi-Fi. So, like, if I park my car right next to the gym, I can catch the Wi-Fi from outside the door. And that was my life for about six months. Ended up, and the, the, the most interesting part about that is the amount of people who knew me and had no idea that was going on. Um so, and I don't say that as like a woe is me story. It's just, like I said, more so to you. It's just a, it's a interesting to be able to see one person living two completely different yeah, lives. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> move back to my, and so now I'm actually moving back to my parents' house. Uh, move there. And, and Aaron, you have to move back to Florida. No, 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 no. no. They're, they're here. here. They're here. Okay, they're here. Okay, they're here. Okay. So move back to my parents' house. Um, and, you know, going through ups and downs, this is kind of putting a big hinge on the family because they're trying to help, but they don't know how to help. And one thing that, and this taught me so much on how other people can process things within their family. Um, and that's kind of the, the second part of, I guess, reconnecting with my family on the other side of things. So for me, one thing was kind of learning, all right, cool. We've got to, this is an individual journey. And you're going to have to figure out how you can get stronger, both mentally and physically, on your own. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And I kind of convinced myself that, like, yo, bro, you will die if you don't put it all on you. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called 137 Hours. I put myself in that situation like, bro, we're going to have to cut our arm off to get out of here because no one's coming to save you. You know, you wait one day, you wait a half a day and you kind of like, yo, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting thirsty out here in this desert. I have to cut my arms off or my arm off, my hand off, whatever you cut off um, to get up out of here. Um, and for me, it was like, boom, you have to lock in. So it was like, OK, cool. Let's figure out what we can control. I had probably lost like 30 pounds. So it was like, all right, boom, let's get into the gym. Let's work out every single day. Get into the gym. I'm a trainer. Um, so let's work out. Um, let's actually work out 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can do. I remember one time in the Atlanta Sports Complex on the bench press, I was crying while I was pressing. And it was just like so many things were happening. It was like, yo, why am I so weak? Why am I so hurt? And also on like 
I'm so determined. Like the Rocky movie started playing in my head. It was just like, no, you've got to, you got to get this, get this right. So me starting to go that route, starting to spend more time in, like I said, the meditation space, spend more time in going back to the adaptogenic herbs um, and really trying to just get healthy uh, was my goal. Um, I started to do that. And then the next phase was starting to get healthy financially, um, professionally. Um, I started, um, you know, putting a couple things together, um, that led me back into the production side of my world. And that's what led me on this journey to go out to New York. Um, I'm getting better mine's getting clear before I went to New York and I went to New York a year ago, essentially, I actually left to go to California the day that Kobe passed. I found, I'm sitting in the airport when I found out Kobe passed and I'm just like the whole ride there. I'm just checking the internet, checking the internet, like, yo, this can't be real. And it's like, that was a real interesting day, obviously an interesting day to everybody, but it was so significant. So I then backtrack for a second. I had to go to California because I was, I did this commercial for Facebook. Um, and I did it with a company I do marketing for and, and just like some consulting work, like marketing consulting work. And at that time before that I was smoking cigarettes and that was another one of my things that I picked up to ease the pain. This trip was so monumental to me because I was going there for black men's beards. And it was me, Brandon, and Joe. Brandon and Joe are the co-founders of Evan Alexander. And I knew when I got on that plane, that was going to be the last time I... Before I got on that plane, it was going to be the last time I smoked a cigarette. And I told myself that because I wasn't going to have us in California representing ourselves as that. And, and, I, and I stopped cold turkey. That was probably one of the best things that could ever happen to me. And that trip kind of capped an end of a really long journey. Now, it brings you up percentage-wise. You're not perfectly fine, but we're starting to get to a place where it's like, okay, cool. Things are getting better. Things are getting more focused. Things are getting more clear. To the point to where it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to California. Then from California, I'm going to go to New York. Um, I had some shadowing opportunities to do. And then I was, you know, going to look for some work, both uh, freelance and full-time work in the production world. I was still going to stay in the health and wellness industry, but I was going to be, I was going to shift a little bit more to the digital space while spending my physical time doing production work. Um, everything is going good. And then COVID comes up. <laughs> COVID comes. I'm planning on moving to New York on the 24th of March. I come back to Atlanta to get some stuff on the 3rd of March. And I had a round trip from the 3rd to the 24th. About a weekend, I'm just like, yo, I don't think this is going to go good anytime soon. And that weekend that I got back, that's when everything shut down. That brought me into another spiral. And I brought that up is because the reason why it brought me into another spiral, it's not really why it brought me, is because I'm at this point I'm running. I'm paying neck and neck with those demons to where it's like, 
I'm ahead of you, but you're not that far away. And when I say that, it's like you're getting better, you're getting better, you're getting better. But so much of the fabric of you is in a dark place um, and, and, and you're fragile. So that took me down, but it didn't take me down. And that was a moment to where I realized, like, okay, cool. We're starting to get to a place to where we could take these blows, but not be crushed. Um, I still have to figure out what I have to do, but it's all starting to come together of, I guess, all the lessons that life has for you. Like, okay, cool. This is how you process these things. This is how you accept what you can, you know, throw away what you can't and move forward. So I say all that to say the journey has kind of taken me to a point to where it's like, okay, cool. We're back in Atlanta. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do. Um, I had the gym clothes that I was training at. Um, don't have a place to train. I essentially moved to New York. So I kind of let go of all of my clients. So even if I had clients, there's nowhere to train. Gyms are closed. So like, what am I going to do? I started training virtually. I started training online, training on Zoom. It was really weird, but uh, I was doing it and just trying to keep myself busy, just like every other American, really everybody in the world, um, staying active, staying in a place to where it's like, yo, we're just going to be healthy. We're going to, you know, forging and fixing relationships. Um, and that's what I spent a large part of the pandemic doing, um, or the quarantine, rather, we're still in a pandemic. Um, and ultimately just marching forward to a place um, that kind of leads us close to where we are now. I found a gym the 15th of June to train out of. Um, it's a small private studio on the um, west side of Atlanta. Since then, I uh, was able to get into a healthy relationship, moved out of my parents' house, um, and back out, um, the interesting thing is, and this is something I told myself years ago, I said, bro, you want them to understand. They're not going to understand. You have to fix your life, move away, come back and move away, whatever that means. That wasn't in my head. It wasn't necessarily New York. Move away and come back and live life like nothing ever happened. You have to be OK with that and everything will work, will, will fall back into into place. And I was right. And I say that because I spoke about in the beginning how there's like two sides, life while you're going through something and life when you're going, when like after something. You're not going to get the pats on the backs of, man, you really went through it, man. You hung in there. Good job. Everything's just going to go back to normal because that's your experience. And that's the hardest thing, the, the hardest thing to understand when you're going through anything you can get very specific help if you ask very specific questions. Hey, aunt, can I borrow that cell phone? Can I borrow that microphone? Can I, you know, do you have an extra shirt for me? But help me, just in general, it's not enough. Or it's too much. One of the, Either or. Either or. And so what I learned is you got to find percentages. And what we'll do is we'll go... To what's comfortable. We'll go to our moms, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins, and a lot of times they're too close and they can't. So what I realized is you have to split those percentages. If you were looking to get 75% of your fulfillment, and not fulfillment because you shouldn't look for fulfillment from others, but your support. 
or or a hundred percent. You got fifty percent over twenty five percent over here, twenty five percent over there, twenty five percent, twenty five percent. You might have to start breaking that up. Like, yo, man, maybe Ant can give me two point five percent when I see him three days a week at the gym. Maybe Mustafa can give me thirteen percent because I see him every day at the gym. Maybe I can start getting smaller, smaller, smaller percentages to build that a hundred percent. But I ultimately you've got to cultivate the life you need to live. It's in, and I say this in, in, and I'm not putting us as victims specifically as black men, because unfortunately we're not at a place to where anybody gives a fuss. Now people may give a fuss about their black man, but as a whole, whole yeah. no. Nah. Um, and, and I, and, and I don't put blame on anyone because I also understand the world has not learned or been required to listen to black men specifically on an emotional level. So it's almost foreign. It's just like, wait, wait, what do you say? Like, you know, you heard exactly what I said. It just couldn't compute in your mind because you're not used to that. You're not used to that level of vulnerability. So for me, until that changes, my, my message to, to all black men, young men, older men is... Come up with a strategy and figure this out yourself because no one's coming to save you. Right. And you said something important there that was real, mm -hmm. that the world has not been equipped to deal with how black men deal with what we're going through. Can you see that from both perspectives, from black and non-black? Like, do you see a difference when it comes to that? Or is um, it the same? I don't know. And the reason why I say I don't know is I don't spend very much time in the mental and physical, and I'll say mental because physical is my job, but in the mental well-being of anyone outside of my community. And largely just because there's just not enough time. It's just not enough time as that I have on earth to be there essentially for everybody. I don't, but... To answer your, but I'm also a human on this earth. I've been on this earth for 36 years and I, you know, I've got skills of observation. I will say that there's probably a level for all men that of lack of empathy, lack of understanding. But what I will say is I don't think those things are coupled with the negative stereotypes that black men have. So if all men aren't receiving empathy, that sucks. But as a black man, I'm not receiving empathy and it's my fault because I'm lazy, I'm this, I'm that. That's twofold. And so that's why I just, again, it's like I don't have the time to try to figure out a solution for anything else but black men. I got to start at home first. I got to start with me as a black man, as, you know, a brother, a son, hopefully one day a father, um, potentially a father of black boys. I have to start with the reality that I can understand and control. And I know that there's a large upside to those negative stereotypes that also go into the experience of a black man, the experience of a black man with a black woman who may or may not have had a great experience with a black man, meaning the person that you're in a relationship in her relationship with her father. Um, so it's it's a lot that goes into it that, you know, leads back to my, my last statement. I don't have time. I don't have time to really focus on anything other than 
on that level, the 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 emotional level of the black man, because ultimately, like I said, I got to take care of me first, then family, then community, then I can go to nation. But that's a lot of steps. And I think we a lot of times miss the mark with just anything. And this goes for anybody, because I would want any person of any culture or any, to do the same is take care of yourself first, then take care of your immediate family, then take care of your neighborhood, then take care of your community. Because if you try to go to nation first or world, yeah, you skipped a lot of steps. And there's one thing I learned in my life is, bro, you can't you can't mm-hmm. skip steps. Like you've got to go through you got to go through the process. So yeah, I definitely think there's probably a level of not probably I know there's a lack of empathy for just men in general. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 turning point is the negative stereotypes and false narratives that are placed upon us from birth. Yeah, oftentimes from your own people. From your own people. It's a crazy part. Your daddy ain't, sh- you ain't going to be, sh- wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he's four. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so now we're in the present. Where's Jonathan Warner now? Because going from looking to go to New York, because I remember when you was looking to do that mm-hmm. and everything. And, of course, yes, this pandemic threw a lot of things off for a lot of people. So now you're here. Where has this journey led lead you to now? Yeah, man. So like I said, uh, that journey for me was just like a – it was that hero's journey that I needed to go on. I needed to – man, I've been to New York before that I think twice – and both of them for, were for like two days. This time I was in New York for like two months, living by myself, traveling on the subway, figuring things out. It was that journey of just like, yo, I don't have nothing but a couple bucks and some connections. I got to figure something out. I got to do this in a foreign land coming back should have called me homeboy i could have hooked you up hey man again well again i used those resources that i had it was just like yo i'm pretty good i'm good with everything like you only have so many call me and hook me up calls you know you got to use them sparingly um so i was i was in a good place um coming back here um like i said that journey and i think and i think i know that was a journey that everybody had to take yo this is weird this is real what am i gonna do uh, so everybody had to figure that out. Um, so I can't even make that a, a, a solo experience. That's a super shared experience. And then from there, like I said, just kind of pushing forward. I've always been pushing forward while I was going through all the things that I was going through. And I think that was like my saving grace. I didn't wreck the projects that I was working on. I didn't wreck the relationships or, you know, most of them uh, that I was working on. So... For me, and it's one thing I always knew, keep going with what you can go because you're not always going to be in this situation. And when you come out of this situation, you want something. That was a, a, a good and a bad thing. You know, me posting on social media every day, people are like, yo, he must be good. But to me, it's just like, no, I'm not good. But that's something that I can do for my bed. That's something I can do from, I could do that with tears in my eyes, you know, and I haven't left the room in three days. But it's still a valuable seed to plant for today. So like I said, man, Jonathan is uh, training clients um, in a healthy relationship with myself, healthy relationship with my girlfriend, um, healthy relationship with my family. How's that? 
how, how did that come to the particular with the family? How did that come from where you were? Yeah, in the house with them, and you had all these things. Now, how did it come to that point, bro? Now? As magical as I said, I moved out, and, and like the next time I came back, like literally, like let's say I moved out on a Sunday, and like I came back on a Wednesday to say, "Hey, what's up? Everything was fine." Wow. It, it like, yeah, bro. And 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 I don't know how that happened. It happened the way I knew it was gonna happen because it was just like nothing, nothing happened between us. You just couldn't process what I was going through. So if I remove what I was going through, everything goes back. It was like a Disney movie, you know. They get the, they finally get the the magic potion to whomever, and like all the trees in the land. Exactly, they come back. Everything like all the the dead trees that were were gone. The, like the, it, like it, bro. Exactly, or like uh uh the scene in um what's the, still a Disney movie um what's that in um Endgame, um so when when. When all the people come back through the through the little the portal, the portal. hole, bro. Yeah, so it was just it was perfect, man. It was just like everything was just fine, and it was. And that's one thing that I learned, which I want other people to learn, especially when it comes to parent and child, and parent and adult child specifically. We're putting a burden that's too hard on them. Meaning, yo, know, they they beat the game. They're retired. They got. All their children are still alive and not in jail. Yo, you want me to do what? Dog, that's too much. And that's something you don't realize while you're going through because you just need help. You're just reaching. It's like a person drowning. You'll grab for anything. That's why, you know, you got to be very careful when you're helping somebody drown because they'll take you down too. I realize, you know, yo, get you some bread, get you some therapy, get you some, you know, figure out there's cheap to free options for therapy. Don't put those burdens on the people closest to you because that's something they never expected to have to do. And the older you are, the harder it is. And we as a society aren't built to deal with that. If I had cancer, they'd be right there because like we're conditioned to understand these things can happen. And I know the person I need to be to best suit that. If I got shot, I got hit by a car, whatever the case may be. These are rational things that I can wrap my head around. You don't feel well in your brain, bro. What is that? You know what I mean? And like, it, it, it's just, it's too hard to wrap around. So I would strongly suggest go elsewhere. Um, but yeah, man, things with the family, they're, they're great. Uh, it's really weird. I laugh sometimes because it's just like, yo, is anybody going to talk about this? Like, are we just like never going to talk about this? But I mean, that's also one thing that you got to understand that this is what our community does. And I'm sure other communities do it too, but it's just like, yeah, let's under the rug and keep it moving. Right. So why do you still keep your towel? Man, um, because life is fun, man. Life is fun. Um, Life has always been fun. You know, even going through the things that I was going through um, and, you know, still go through. Um, Life isn't uh, all roses. I just process things a lot better. So that's probably A, B, there's people who, you know, will be inspired by this story. When I say people, I mean, I'm, I'm not on, you know, I'm not a movie star or anything of that nature, even if it's four people, even if it's seven people, even if it's all the people who listen to this podcast. There's somebody who's going to be inspired. Um, there's somebody that I haven't met yet who's going to need some information that I needed, that, I, that some tools that I was able to use that they can use. 
I have wealth of knowledge through going through an experience that I feel my people need. And I got work to do. I got, you know, personal work to do. I got things that I want to accomplish. I got goals, bro. So yeah, man, that's, uh, those are kind of the, I don't know. I started with a, I don't, I think I might be a F or G or something like that, (laughs) but either way. Yeah, man. Um, like Kobe said, job's not done. That's right. Job's not done. So, Mr. Warner, before you hop out of here, yes, sir. what will you give to the people? Man, um, so first thing uh, on this subject, look at fitness. Look at mental health the same way we look at fitness. Say that again? Look at mental health the same way we look at fitness. Or mental health the same way we look at physical health. Be proactive about your mentals. Go to therapy. It's lit. Like, and <laughs> when I say it's lit, it's like so many of us have the, oh, that's just me. That's just this. That, you know, it's just the way I do things. Yo, your personality is the reason that's hold, is, is what's holding you back. I'm not trying to tell you to change and be a whole nother person. I'm telling you to be a better version of yourself. And, like, look yourself in the mirror right now. You know you could be a better version of yourself for whatever it is. So go to therapy just like if you aren't 400 pounds, you still should go to the gym. You'll move better. Your joints will feel better. You know, your heart will be healthier. Go work out. Go work out. Go work out your brain. Go get some of these things that are sitting in the back in the subconscious of our mind up out of there. So you can be a better partner, a better employee, a better leader, whatever the case may be. Go get help. If you are a black person in America, you have experienced more trauma than you know. If you have Instagram, you've experienced more trauma than you know. Stop normalizing trauma and go to, go and I, and I don't even want to say go get help cuz that implies that you're in a bad place. Go get, go go get therapy. It's literally Sitting down in an office that's mad comfortable. They got candy. They got like mints. Um, they got cold beverages. Um, the temperature's just right. It's like not too cold, but it's like that temperature of like, yo, I could fall asleep. And you're just talking to somebody, but that person is not connected to you. So you're not going to get, oh, I hear what you're saying, but you've always been this way. You're getting a blank canvas just to express you need that and the people around you don't deserve that and I I mean that they don't deserve it yo your girl does not deserve you coming in with your funky attitude because you know you're getting um you're not getting promoted at work or whatever the case may be and vice versa um you you just owe it to yourself and the people around you to go to therapy talk to somebody clear your mind you don't have to go weekly you can go monthly just tune up and you don't have to go forever, but go get therapy um, and practice being being present, being being in the moment. That's what's up, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing now that what you said there, normalizing trauma, boy, that is something that in, within the black community, that is, yeah, that is very, very prominent. And also just the very fact for, I would say for the past four years, we have been hearing more and more black people, the black community speak about therapy is no longer, oh yeah, something's wrong, you just crazy. No, now it's become, all right, that's fine. And so that's amazing with that. So Mr. Warner, where can the people go ahead and get at you and everything? If they want to go ahead and get themselves in shape, where can they get Absolutely, you, man? Absolutely, man. Um, Instagram, the Jonathan Warner. 
the Jonathan Warner dot com. Uh, that's J O N A T H A N W A R N E R. Uh, Facebook, the Jonathan Warner, Twitter, Coach J tweets. If you go to my Instagram, it'll link you to everything, or my website, it'll link you to everything. LinkedIn, the Jonathan Warner, with the Jonathan Warner all around, man. Um, you know, reach out if you have any questions on training, both physically and mentally. I'm there. Um, whatever it is, um, a lot of, especially pre-COVID, man, I would have conversations with a lot of different I mean, men that were going through things because of my post. And they would reach out to me and it's like, yo, I'm no guru. I'm going through some of the things myself, but like, I'm here. And, you know, let's forge these relationships. Let's build community. Uh, if I can help, I'm there. See, it tells you philosophical training. <laughs> Many times when you just broke away and like we end up having a good 20 second conversation that went into 30 minutes. Exactly. So now you see why. But ladies and gentlemen, there it is. You got your chance to go and listen to a black man who was able to be brave and tell you his story. Mr. Warner, thank you so much, man. Uh, absolutely. It's thank a you pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So ladies and gentlemen, y'all got it right there with Jonathan Warner. And this is Keeping the Towel with your man, Aunt Boogie. So folks, let me tell you, you heard what Mr. Warner did to keep his towel. And I'm going to always tell you this. Wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, do not, and I repeat, do not throw in that towel, all right? So if my man was able to keep in the towel, I need you to do it the same. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. I'll check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. I am out of here. Peace.